Blog Talk Radio. Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. 
Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer, free of charge, and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. My guest is Rosamond Stone Zander, co-author with Benjamin Zander, of The Art of Possibility, and author of our topic for discussion today, Pathways to Possibility. Trained as a family systems therapist, Roz coaches organizations from the inside out. She's brought wisdom and humor and enlightenment to people in a wide variety of settings from school systems and hospitals, corporations, to the World Economic Forum, and we are so very fortunate to have her joining us here at Energy Awareness Radio. Welcome to the show, Roz. Thank you for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness. How are you being? I am being very energetic after that introduction. (laughs) I am finding this wonderful. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm so glad. (laughs) Now, you're in New England, correct? I'm in Boston, yes. You're in Boston, yes. I'm from Massachusetts, so this is good. It's nice to speak to somebody from my hometown. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, in reading your book, to me, the way that I saw it, it's, it's really all about connecting to all of life, the awareness, the mindfulness, our ability to, you know, grow ourselves in a way that's purposeful and meaningful, not just to us, but to the collective whole. So that's kind of how I see it. What was your goal for the reader of this book? Well, that was very much my goal. I, my goal was to have people be able to love without barriers. And when I say love, I mean that's that connective energy that gives you uh, ability to relate, to move s- smoothly with other people, not to get stuck on small things, and small differences. And the, way, the reason we get stuck is that we have traumas of one kind or another growing up as children. And, ch- and our childhood as human beings is way longer than any other animals. And so we feel we are more dependent than any other creature. And in that dependency, we experience fear and hierarchy and the whole thing is we're kind of designed to survive nature makes us that way but it also happens that we often get stuck on fears there'll be a trauma we make a meaning out of it that meaning goes on throughout our life you you let's say your parents get divorced and your understanding of the divorce is always something to do with you when you're a child because that's the way children see the world. It's all about them. And so they're at fault for something, and that being at fault for, if, it's, if the divorce meant something, and it certainly does to every child I've ever talked to, that at fault will carry right through life. And you don't even know you're carrying a story that's slowing you down. And so what I have done in this book is to say we come in parts. Some of, us, some of the parts of us are really living into a story of a three- or four-year-old, and some of the parts are very teenage-like, and, and some, say, ten years old. And we don't notice it. That's the thing. But if you can tease apart those stories that each of the parts of you is telling and upgrade them, make them into a more adult story, getting yourself out of the center and looking around for a different explanation of what you came up with, then you have a chance to grow fast into a world of ease and relationship. You know, and it's so true that we have a longer childhood than animals. I mean, you you buy a kitten, and within six months, it's really like the size of a cat. And, yeah, it might still be (laughs) kitten-like, but in a year, it's an adult. And they can have babies at three years old, you know. So we have much more time for those beliefs to become so ingrained in us. I mean, let's face it, there's 18 years pretty much living at home with these parents we're dependent upon, correct? Right. Absolutely. And, you know, and we really do need support as as growing creatures 
because there's so much more that we have to deal with than that, say, a kitten would. Mm-hmm. But again, it has it's it has the downside to it, and uh, sometimes when children are kind of kicked out of the nest early, they actually do well because they begin they realize that they have to make their way in the world by themselves and and drop some of the dependency. But often, often children who are forced out really have trauma going on in life, and those stories are not good stories at all. As you know, we have plenty of stuff going on in our society that we think, oh, my goodness, what kind of a childhood did that person have? Yes. And when when a when a child leaves early because of uh, things that happened and they take the high road, I guess is is a is a phrase yeah. I'll use for this. Um, and it's really survival of the fittest. You know, it's like they learned what they didn't want to be, so they're going the other way. When it's so much easier to just go down that road of what you know. So I admire people who who have taken the other road. Yeah, I admire them. I have a little image in the in the book called Dry Farming. And, you know, when you're farming, let's say you're growing grapevines, mm-hmm. what, what farmers are doing now is giving them just a little bit of water so that their roots will go down farther and they'll be stronger in the long run. And you can think of that as the way you can deal with children always, uh, but you always have to do it with love. And if the, you, you don't give them enough nourishment, you really have a problem. They will not thrive. So... It's an interesting thing. It's, it has to do with whether you let a baby cry, thinking that if you just let it cry, it'll get over, it'll eventually be quiet. And, of course, it will. But he or she, the little baby, will be quiet, but they will have lost, they may have lost the hope of relationship. They may, be, may give up, and that is what you don't want to have happen. So staying close to a child growing and allowing enough freedom is a very tricky thing. It's not easy to be no, a and child farmer. <laughs> right. And, and you know, it, it, when you, uh, you don't realize that when they are babies, they, they get the energy a whole lot quicker and easier than, let's say, a teenager would because they're coming in right from source. So they're their energy level is such that they need that stroking, that holding. It's kind of like over in England, they have kitten coddlers and people who actually their job is to go in and cuddle and play with kittens so that those kittens will be friendly when they go to a home. And I'm thinking that's a cool job. Cool idea. Yeah. It's a really cool idea. Need to do it with kids more because so many children don't get, I firmly believe everybody needs to be hugged every day. Absolutely. I'm so for that. And I have been throughout my career quite an encourager of of parents, one or another parent, to stay home with children. People Mm -hmm. will argue with me. They don't need all that, but but I think it's pretty important. Um, I agree with you. And then, so so this book called Pathways to Possibility starts in the nursery. It starts talking about those early patterns that get um, initiated at birth, and we see how these stories get developed. I do I tell about different children and different case studies. And then the next part of the book is about what you can do once you have cleared the barriers or you could say you're living in an adult story. And the difference between an adult story and a child story has to do with where you see yourself situated. The child is always in the center of the universe in his mind, and so everything relates to him. A child is always seeing hierarchies and power struggles because he's powerless and mm-hmm. people are bigger. But but when you grow well, you come to a place where your, your brain is all, all formed and you can see yourself as not being the center of the universe. So when something goes wrong in your life, you can look to see a myriad of possible explanations instead of the one explanation that a child has, which is pretty much, it was my fault. Or even if they're branching out, it's his fault. (laughs) Right. But as an adult story, fault begins to drop away and you begin to see the the way things are embedded in a system and you and 
and so you're much more able to open your arms to anything that's happening around you, and certainly to people whose whose stories differ from yours. And that's and what's I, important to do. Yeah. And I think I think you can have once once you identify these these stories and you uh, your perspective changes and you see where you fit and how you can uh, rewrite those patterns. You know, I think then you can change the perspective so when other people are doing things to you or however to phrase this whenever people are doing things that you find perhaps um, distasteful or that they're treating you unkindly or unjustly you can actually shift your perspective the way that you feel toward that other person because you know initially it's an immediate anger that you might feel because you're hurt but you get yeah. past that judgment pretty quickly if if you've gone through this process because you realize they're they're just learning as we all are and they don't know what their story is and hasn't changed it yet. So to me, it it kind of leads us to acceptance of another person because you're almost working with their soul at that point. You can kind of see their soul and you have compassion <laughs> for that person. Do you find that to be true? Yes, absolutely. I I'm I feel that you took in a lot of what I was saying, and of course that's what you believe too. I, mm-hmm. have, I have an image called walking stories and seeing people coming mm-hmm. towards me in a park and seeing and suddenly realizing that each person was walking in a story and the story was obvious from the way they dressed and everything was co- coordinated, the way they dressed, the way they um, came forward or retreated or resistance or, and and you don't have to take that as the truth of a person. You can look through it and look to the the person of possibility underneath. And then you feel enormous joy and c- compassion and pleasure at being with people, even though in another time you might feel how annoying. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you don't when you see through it. <laughs> it's a practice to see through it. It's a practice to to be able to, um, well, you have to kind of learn yourself, you know, learn, learn about yourself first. So, you know, you take enough That's psychology right. courses, you're going through it yourself. You have to, you know, those of us who have done this, it's like, yeah, okay, we, we all <laughs> been through the process. So you have to learn about yourself first and then you but can turn around. it's not the way we usually, sorry, sorry to say oh, that oh, again. Oh, that's quite all right. Oh no, that's quite all right. It's, it's just that you can then use that, what you've learned on other people so that there is a different expression. So it's a more, you're coming toward people in a kinder way. Things don't affect, I feel things don't affect me as much as they would had I not known myself first, had I not learned what I learned about me first. Absolutely. It's that we don't have, we're having more of a tradition for looking into ourselves and women tend to do it probably more than men. Um, mm-hmm. It's more in the tradition for women, um, but it isn't. It isn't really a social practice. We're kind of designed to look out there and see what's happening out there. And what I mm-hmm. love is that there's a um, psychologist at Harvard named Steven Pinker, who says there's no reason to believe that what we see bears any resemblance to whatever's out there. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if you actually adopted that idea and said, I really can't know. I see things out of my own assumptions and all the stories I'm living with. But what if you kept your mind really in a, an inquiring stance so that you never were certain about what is true? And mm. it, and, and that kind of certainty is a child's story. That's an element of a child's story. But for an adult, if you can stay awake and aware and keep thinking, what assumptions am I making that I don't know I'm making that are giving me what I see, then, then you, you are a person that anybody could trust. That's one of the elements here. If you're willing to do the work at your, on your own assumptions, you are not threatening to other people at all. In fact, you are so comforting because they can trust that you're not going to get stuck on some idea that excludes them or doesn't see them. That's very true. And I'm, I'm also believe that you, know, you have to constantly ask questions. 
And when I'm, when I'm working with people or if I'm on a committee of sorts or, you know, doing something because uh, I, I run a, fund, um, a children's foundation as well. And whenever we're oh, meeting, it's like ask questions, constantly ask questions. We need to know where this money is going that is going to children in dire need, not somebody who needs a new magic phone, you know. Um, we need to learn <laughs> that stuff, so we need to make sure. So ask questions, ask questions. And, and I, one of the things that I'm constantly walking around saying is if you never ask the question, the answer is always no. You have Absolutely. to ask the question, you know. So question everything because some of the beliefs that we have, really, it's just – it's just the way we were brought up, the people that brought us up, our older relatives. It's really kind of a respect thing, too. Oh, my parents told me this. It must be true. Or, you yeah. know, a teacher told us that. It must be true. And what happens is, and I see this with older clients, is they'll go to the doctor and they'll come in and tell me something. And they'll say, well, you know, the doctor said this. And I'll say, well, did you ask this, this, and this? And they'll say, well, no, he's a doctor. <laughs> I don't care who he is. Uh, he can be the man on the moon and think, tell you he knows everything. You have a right to ask questions. There's, you know, you have to be an advocate for yourself. And people don't learn that. It should be taught in school that you need to be an advocate for yourself. But nobody teaches well, it, that. It's absolutely true. And the other thing is, though, that the world is moving fast, and most of the stories that we're holding as truth, or uh, let me say a belief is a story. So most of our beliefs, are coming from the past. They're mm-hmm. either what our parents thought and saw and taught us or something that happened to us in the past. But the past has moved. We're, we've moved beyond the past, and mm-hmm. we're in a new world. And if we are not flexible in, in seeing the change and the difference and the ability to go with it, you, you get stuck and kind of get left in a backwater. And you may be making yourself and others miserable because you're holding on to things that have no relevance to what life is about now. And that comes up frequently in sessions because people will, uh, will talk about things and I'll say, and where has that gotten you? How long have you been worrying about this? Think about that. How much time have you wasted on worrying about something that really doesn't matter at all? and has no bearing on your life, and you're holding this grudge, as it were, and because of this belief that you have, when you could have been in joy. I mean, really, our job here is to find joy and give joy. That's really, it's easy. If you it's give easy. joy, you automatically get joy, and if you get joy, you're automatically going to turn around and give joy. If everybody did that, wow, what a different world it, this would be. <laughs> I know, T, that's wonderful. It is so simple, really. I, I was talking to my granddaughter the other day. She turned six. And somebody wanted something she had, and she was sort of hesitating. And I said, you know, you can, you can give part of what you have. And I'm going to tell you something, Poppy. Her name is Poppy. You will find that the more you give away, the more comes back to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> and Start them young. <laughs> she just picked up whatever it was and handed it to the little child. Yep. Um, I love now, that. Yeah. Now, I don't know whether that's this, that may be, feel like an outdated story by the time she's grown up. Who knows what the world is, will be like. But I mm. think these principles that we come to in an adult frame of mind tend to be uh, somewhat eternal. Nothing, everything moves all the time. But they have a lasting value. Not the kinds of things that when you say, don't open your door to strangers or what you know kind of don't trust it's mm-hmm. foolish those are not adult stories those are stories built on fear and fear is um a feature of the child mind and nature wants children to be cautious because and they want the nature wants parents to be cautious for children because they need protection but when we grow if we can drop the fear, except in moments when it's absolutely, I mean, if you're standing in front of a speeding train, you better get out of the way. But, you, right. but our bodies are designed to do that anyway, so we don't really have to do too much about that. Um, and otherwise, most of the fears that the society talks about or people talk about are really kind of memories 
a fearful situation, which then prompts people to start arming themselves and getting suspicious and closing the door in people's faces, which then make the other people suspicious and hurt and uh, aggressive. And so we are kind of it's a, a system that we that gets going out of a child um, think story and, and an it, adult it think. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't help that with the social media and the way that news travels so quickly in the world today and everybody, you know, all the news reporters, journalists, uh, whenever you turn on the TV, everything is sensationalized to the point where they just perpetuate fear. It's just constant, constant fear when you turn on the news. And it's like, gee, you can't even go to New York to the theater. You might get shot. You know, I mean, you know, the likelihood is low, but people have this idea that I can't get on a plane. I can't do this. I can't do that. It just perpetuates anything that could have been within you and brings it right to the surface. Yeah. And then your body tenses up and you, Mm -hmm. and, and it's very unhealthy for people to live in fear and anxiety. And most of what we're afraid of, as you said, you said, T, that um, some little incident will happen. The news blows it up. I don't mean a little incident. I mean, all right, five people were shot. In mm-hmm. a, so that's not a little incident to the people who were shot and to the people who love them. But it doesn't increase any risk for most of us. Right. The risk of our being shot is infinitesimal, much much. Uh, more likely that we'll step off a curb and get hit by a car. Right. Right. Yeah, I think there's too much sensationalism about the news that's out there, and there's too much pointing fingers and too much blame to specific categories and groups of people. And you know what? It's just people in general. Yeah. Yeah. So what I've done is to write stories about people who took who cleared their own stories and were able to be a transformational environment for others. Now, you're that, T-Love. You are Mm -hmm. a transformational environment for other people, and that's what this program is about. Right. And you are providing transformation by having guests on who can talk about it and who've done some work themselves. What a gift that you're doing this. And... Each of us can be that gift to others, to either a large group of people or to a smaller group of people or to our, just to our families. If I can say to my granddaughter, you know, you will find that if you give away stuff, it'll come back. You'll get more coming back. And she smiles at me and then gives away something. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that I've been in a, a transformational environment for her to grow. And and if we made it our business in life to be helping others to release the fears that are actually in some way killing them in the sense of of causing such strain to the body um, and causing strain between people, so the community is broken apart. We have a really wonderful mission in life to do. And uh, that's really what I've taken up. And, and, and in Pathways to Possibility, I talk about becoming a transformational environment for others, but then I, I extend it to how do we connect with the whole of nature and how yeah. could we think of ourselves in relation to nature um, as as a partner in evolution. And nature evolves in a certain way, and we haven't been very helpful to nature over the last couple of centuries. Um, <laughs> we've been dominating nature, using her, but she's yeah. got much more power than we do in our small ways. And if we saw the, her patterns, if we saw how things evolve and went along with that. Now, of course, there are lots of institutions that are arising that that are taking that idea that people are making paints that that shed dirt the way a lily sheds dirt. 
people are looking into the to things that are in nature and seeing what they can do that we have never discovered and then learning something and becoming um, bio-inspired, becoming inspired by the power and the patterns and the beauty that nature offers. Of course, we're part of that. Yes, and we definitely are, and there's so much that that nature does offer us, and we have uh, taken her for granted. I mean, right now I think she's reacting with all of the storms and everything that's going on. It's okay, you know. She allows us to live on her. It's I don't know why the earth isn't just shaking us off like a bunch of dogs shaking fleas. You know, I mean, I'd be mad, but this is probably why I'm not the earth. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like, enough already, people. You're really bugging me. You know, we haven't been kind. Yeah. (laughs) But I think more people are too. Yeah, you know, and tsunamis and hurricanes and, oh, my goodness, blizzards. It's crazy. And yet every time I hear it, look at the forest fires in California and the flooding in Louisiana. Are you kidding me? You know, I mean, there's such a thing as balance. And that actually, when you look at the earth, is balance because one place That's is very right. dry, one place is very wet. But it's not balanced within each area. So you know, there's an awful lot going on out there that everything's energy, so it's going to react to everything. And I love that yeah. you, you – speak about energy as well because I mean, that's what I do you know I mean it's all yeah. how do we react with this and I think that you know when you're when you're at a place where you can really rewrite these stories and bring about the transformation both internal and external when you transform yourself it affects a much wider scope it's not just about you it's it's your whole life it's it's the collective whole because it's energy, so it's going to bring everybody up, and the earth too. Everything's energy. I believe that. Yes, that is a good story, and there's a lot of evidence for it. And yeah. and you could even say that everything you say has an effect on the universe, because everything is molecularly or atomically connected. Correct. And so the good stories that you put out there, not silly Pollyanna stories, but stories that lead to wholeness, those stories are actually imprinting on the universe. Now, uh, you could say, Roz is telling a story now, and I am. And I don't think it's a bad story to tell, because I think you, when you tell a new story, you have only to look around, and there'll either be evidence coming to you about it or um, no evidence, and you say, well, I didn't get, that one didn't really engender the energy that I was looking for. But most of the stories that you tell to the world, that if, if like the granddaughter story, the story I told my granddaughter is going to raise energy somewhere in a in a very positive way, and Starting all you have her. to do is look around and you'll see it happening. Mhm. Very true. And to start with children, it's important that they learn these these ways. You you know, one of the stories in your book, and this one really resonated with me. I was particularly fond of handiwork of the heart. It is so <laughs> true that. You know, that was a great story, but but from it, it's so true that when you stop focusing on what you want or think you want and you focus on what brings joy to your heart and fulfillment to your days, purpose to your life, and an outpouring of kindness to other people and compassion to other people, you really in those moments, you're creating exactly what it is that you truly want, that you came in here to do. And that's where you find your joy and your peace and your love and your, you know, everything that makes your heart just burst open and and feel really great about life. That is where the bliss is. And if you come from your heart, you're never going to go wrong. Absolutely. And and what um, stands in the way of the heart is fear. Mm -hmm. And so you want to notice the stories that are the the life you're living into that is generating fear and take that feeling of fear and say that's a memory of something that happened to me long ago it's not happening now it's a memory and when you can classify feelings that are troubling as memories you can 
leave them behind. You can shed them in, in a way. Um, and that's, of course, something you were just talking about. You're saying let go. There's a, there's a kind of engagement at the end of the book, which uh, there are five engagements. I call them um, games. And let, let go is one of them. And there are many stories within that um, game that, t- that show you how to let go of the grip of, of old feelings and and then you emerge into a new day. It's amazing. It is, yeah, it is, and it's hard for people to let go. And one of the things, I mean, I always had trouble when people would say, you know, just let go of it, just let go of it. And I think, I, I don't even know what that means. And then someone told me, gave me words that worked. And everybody's going to, you know, resonate with a different set of words, whether it's let yeah. go and let God or whether it's, you know, um, just give it up to the universe or give it up to God, whatever it is. And this woman yeah. said to me, always just think, okay, what's the la- what is the path of least resistance? And she said, and what do you think you're going to get from that? And I said, okay, well, I'm an analytical person, so I'm going to tell you what I think I'm going to get from that. The first thing that comes to my mind is that, I believe that I am the programmer and my brain is a super organic computer and everything I think and say sends the brain on like a Google search to go find something. So if I say, okay, what's the path of least resistance? I can really not worry about anything and it's going to come to me because my brain's going to, you know, Googling it. And she said, okay, nobody's ever put it that way before, but that's how it works. That's how you let go. And I said, all right, okay, now this works for me. So now when things come up, if something needs to be done, I can't figure it out, uh, or, or something's bothering me, I just say, okay, what's the path of least resistance here? And I use it so often that things literally will come to me within moments. There'll be a solution. So uh, explain to me. So when you say, um, what's the path of least resistance, do you sort of just let your mind go and wait till something happens? Well, I stop thinking about the issue at hand, and I turn my mind and my attention to something else, and I'll okay, bury yeah. myself mm-hmm. in my work. And then the next thing you know, something just hits you out of the blue, and you say, oh, wait, now I know. It's kind of like when they say, you know, why don't you sleep on it? Well, when you do, you come up with yeah. all kinds of solutions in the morning. I love doing that. But in the middle of the day, I can't just take a nap. You know? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. but I see what you mean. I have, yeah. I have a little practice that is something like that, and um, – if I'm trying to figure out an answer to something, I just what I do is I go through this little journey in my mind, and it's this it's in the story as a story in the book about going to see in into a forest, and I find a staircase, and I go up, and there I meet this wise man I call Altair, and I ask him a question, and then I wait for his answer. Mm. I don't. And the answer, an answer, will come. And it's always amazing. It, and so it's, the, it's a way of allowing the incredibly rich, unconscious, subconscious mind put things together and come up with um, something that is uh, more integrated than you can do in a moment in a busy day. Um, and I and I learned at one point that that our whole bodies take in 11 million bits per second of information. Now that's I don't know how big a bit is, so it may not tell anybody <laughs> much. But but there is a comparison here, and the comparison is that the conscious mind can only cope with 16 bits of information per second, whereas the entire body and mind and unconscious takes in 11 million bits. So as I discovered when I was writing The Art of Possibility, um, I I couldn't get too focused on trying to push a book out because I didn't have enough of the information that nature and the world could give me with just my conscious mind. I had to let go. And I let go enough to be able to just dream and walk and stop worrying. And, of course, it all came to me. And it came in the right order and in the right amount so that I got a book written. 
Yeah, I think it allows you to be open to receive. And when you're open to receive, magical things happen. And the the more that you do that, the more you put those those types of things into practice, the more I say, okay, I have to put this aside now. I need to know the path of least resistance on that. So now I'll work on this. The quicker your brain comes up with the response because it's getting used to the fact that you're programming it to go out and do that little Google search in your head and figure it out. And yeah. then you come, sometimes you come back with things that you never imagined and you think, oh my gosh, this will really work. This will work. I never thought of that. There were so many times they say, thank you, God, for giving me that one, because I know I'm not smart enough to think it up. You know? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is as though, and maybe in, somebody, in some people's stories, it is God giving something. In mine, it is as though there's divine intervention, mm-hmm. because it way supersedes what my ordinary frontal lobes, my ordinary mind can do. Absolutely. But that's why I refer to the brain as a super organic computer. They will never be able to make one a computer like our brain. It just no. doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. It can't. It's super organic, and it, it's, it's like a, a turbocharged super organic computer that we will never be able to, to replicate, and we can do so much with it if we put our mind to it and ask the right questions. If you ask the right questions, you will get the answers, and that's the key. So finding the words that will work for you. And that's why your book is so interesting because it opens up to possibilities of, well, what can I use and how can I say this and what can I make a determine, you know, how can I determine something? The games are particularly interesting. There's one that, uh, an open-ended game that you said you're particularly fond of and I was too when I saw it. And it's um, the game, I don't know if it has a name. It's the game of you choose a, oh, one a, of name, the, uh, a quality. Yes, yeah, choose a quality. Mm-hmm. And then go um, with that quality all day long for like three days. Do that every day, you know, when you commit to making every decision based on that quality. And so I thought, okay. And I decided I'll pick the quality. The very last quality listed was courage. And I thought, okay, okay I'll do that because I have to do fundraising for this, you know, for my, my charitable yeah. organization. And, and like sometimes you just don't want to ask a particular person because everybody's hit them up. And, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, you can't keep going to the same well. So yeah. I got my guts up, to, did the courage, and, and spoke to the people. And sure enough, they were very happy to oblige. And I was like, wow, that was easier than I thought. Then I came back and read the story. And what I thought was courageous, and then I read your story about what you did going skiing and, you know, going up the slope and telling the person in the chair next to you that you're intermediate when you're not. And I'm like, oh, my God, I never would have done that. I couldn't even ride the ski lift up. I'm like, I, mine wasn't courageous. Mine was just like, you know, don't be nervous and go ask. I thought, okay, that's a bigger courage than I was thinking. So, No, yours is... Your, mine was more fun <laughs> than going and asking <laughs> for money. But, I don't know. Um, it depends on the perspective. How much fun would it be? I'm looking at my life in my hands. I'm thinking I could not do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, but I've had a lot of people write in or call in to tell me that they've tried one of the games and what a difference it made to their lives. And so I'll say to the, your listeners that there are five games, and one of them is to one of the, the ones that I love is walk with spirit and love. Mm-hmm. Now, if you think of just, if I told you to get up and walk with spirit and love, could you feel a change in your posture? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I do this could on you, my walks when I do walking meditation. So, yeah, you bring it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you bring it in and you find a smile on your face and yep. spirit and so on. And um, and if you do that in a difficult situation for yourself, it, it, it will change your biology. It will change everything. Mm-hmm. And I have wonderful stories of people who won contests and sang beautifully under those, con- just remembering walk with spirit and love. Then there's one called, there's all the time in the world. And it's something you say to yourself in the middle of a harried day. There's all the time in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. There's all the time in the world. And everything calms down. And people around you calm down. You should just try it. Yeah. Oh, these are all excellent games. And one of them, another one, was, um, <laughs> oh, gosh, uh, 
see what you've never seen before. I think yeah. that was the name of it. And that one I liked because as I was as I was reading it and I was laughing to myself because immediately that song on a clear day came to mind and now I can't get it out of my head. And I love that song because it says, um, you know, you can uh, hear from far and near a world you have never heard before. And now when I go out, I go for a walk every day. So when I go for my five mile walk and I'm walking in nature and I'm taking it all in, that's humming in my head. And I'm like, how lucky are we to be on this planet at this point in time and taking in and really hearing what you know, you've never heard before. Really take it in. I am blessed that I live in an area where there are bears and deer and mink in the lake and there's, uh, you know, a heron that lives here. Yeah, so there's an awful lot of animals around. And some can be scary, but they were here first, so you kind of have to deal with it. You know, and that's okay because they were here first. I get it. Yeah, and they're not trying to destroy you for heaven's sakes. They're just living alongside you. Sure, and if you know if a bear walks through the yard and I happen to be there, you just stand up very tall and put your hands up, and you don't stare at the bear, and you start to talk loud, and they just walk right by. And that's, that's right. hard. That's courage. That was hard to do the first time because I tell you, you want to run away. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you, you did the right thing, and the bear doesn't want to be frightened either. The bear just wants to, and the bear is as frightened as you are. So you don't want to mm-hmm. get two frightened creatures working against each other. Yeah. You want- and the the only difference is when the bear is with its cubs, you're thinking, okay, yeah. I know you came upon me, but you have cubs and I could die today. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. So, yeah, that, that's a little bit different. But that, see what you've never seen before. Hear what you've never heard before. Take yeah. those moments. Those moments are tr- These games are great because people can you know, they can do them and you will feel the shift immediately. You will feel the shift immediately. That's the thing. You feel it at yeah. once. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've had clients call and tell me they're having a bad day, and I happen to pick up the phone. And I say, okay, you're not in session right now. Do me a favor. You at lunch? And they'll say, yeah. I say, get out of the office, walk around the building, and go find a tree and stand against it. Do something. Find a patch of grass. Do something. Ground yourself to the earth. This is what you need to do. Do that yeah. and just breathe deep and take it all in and then come back to work. And then I get emails that I had a better afternoon because I did, you know. Well, yeah, you've got to ground yourself. We need nature. Well, nature needs us. Yeah, you, you you read in the book, um, in Pathways, of, of the experiment that was done at the University of Michigan, maybe. I can't remember, actually. But um, some students were sent out, some to walk along a busy street with traffic and some to walk in Arboretum. And they before they were sent out, they were given an IQ test or some sort of cognitive testing. And when they came back, they were given... The same, another test, um, they were all given the same test, and the people who had walked in traffic didn't do nearly as well as the students who walked in the Arboretum. Right. I mean, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like when you study an awful lot, you need to stop studying at one point and just do something different, wake up the next day and take the test. That's taught to students all the time because you can't study, 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 study. The stress is too much. You don't de-stress so you can't remember what you thought you learned. Yeah. So you go out in nature. You know, we're getting close to the top of the hour. I did want to ask you this. While you were writing this book, and I know you're co-author of The Art of Possibility, so you already had a lot of this going on and you've been practicing for years. Did your life change as you were writing this book? My life changed unbelievably. It it changed incredibly much. Now, um, I all I could say was it's possibility in action and it's nothing I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It just changed. It changed. Now in the first, that my partner in the first book, Ben Zander, the conductor, I was married to, but it, marriage wasn't the right form of relationship for us. And I, but I couldn't do anything about that while we were coming out with a book that was all about relationships. Um, right, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and and it would be hard for people to understand that whatever I do or Ben and I do is always looking for the best form of relationship. It isn't about breaking up. I don't even think you can break up with somebody. You just change the form. So, right. Um, so over the writing of this book, I got divorced. 
nobody had to notice that and didn't have anything mm-hmm. to do with the publication. And um, I got together with a man who is wonderful and and the reason the reason I it didn't work for Ben and me it wasn't that he isn't a wonderful person. It had nothing to do with our characters. It had to do with what was who, who what our life trajectory was about. And he's a conductor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doesn't go so well with marriage. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, I'm now with a man who is a very it's a big contribution in so many ways to the world, and he's very supportive of Ben Zander. And so we have we have a um, a wonderful. It's almost as though I've got brought more and more people into my circle that have, and I'm not the center of the circle, by the way, um, <laughs> into into the environment in which I live, who are who are such contributions and who are resonating with each other to to create more possibility in the world so the, it's it's totally amazing in that respect um i also learned something i i just realized the other day as i was painting i learned over the second book that if you take long enough work hard enough you can make anything turn out <laughs> that's true <laughs> because you you'll have a continual feedback of of the world and you and you will begin to learn with every step. And so, in a, in a sense, I learned I learned every day in in writing this book. I I believe that that's very much true, and that you did because in reading the book, you know, and doing the work that I do, I've studied a lot of this stuff before. I, I've I've developed ways of doing things, and yeah. I sometimes think I'm not really going to get much out of it, but I have, and that was early on when I was doing this show like nine years ago, and I've learned over the last nine years that every single book I get something out of and something shifts and changes in a way that's very good, and it's because of, you know, you can't help but learn something from everything. I've always believed that. You learn something from everything that you read, and you may not agree with everything. You throw out the stuff that doesn't resonate with you, and you keep the stuff that does, but this book will open up areas of your life it will it really brings a lot of possibilities to you if you're having a difficult time trying to figure out what your path is or any relationships you have with anyone be it family friend spouse it doesn't matter children this book will bring you answers like you will not believe so Roz we're almost at the top of the hour before we go would you please tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and where they may purchase your book pathways to possibility Ah, uh, certainly will. Thank you. Um, I have a w- website, and it's rosamondzander.com. And Rosamond is spelled a little differently than people usually think. So it's R-O-S-A-M-U-N-D-Z-A-N-D-E-R.com. And on that, on my website, you you can it'll give you a link to the book and link to both books and I also have my paintings on the website it's it's my little home and then you can go to Amazon certainly and to Goodreads and to Barnes and Nobles and any major bookstore that you order off of or most I don't know it's only been out a couple of months I don't know how many of the smaller bookstores it's in they can get it though but they can get it, absolutely. Yep. yep. You can go to your local bookseller and they can order it for you and have it just as quickly as Amazon. So, you know, support your local if you if yeah, you uh, support accept. your local bookstore. I do want to mm-hmm. say that. That's absolutely important. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, right. I love I, bookstores. Yes, I do too. I, I love the feel of a book. You know, it, it just does. Uh, you can pick up the energy of the author very quickly from it. It's great. <laughs> it's better than an yeah. ebook. No offense to the ebook readers. <laughs> I don't do those. Right. I, Roz, thank you so much for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. I cannot tell you how much pleasure it's been having you on the show. I've really enjoyed myself immensely. So thank you so much. We both, I have certainly enjoyed myself, and I thank the listeners for tuning in, and I thank you for having me. 
Oh, you're quite welcome. Just hang on the line. I'll do the outro, and then I'll, I'll give you a couple of minutes off air, okay? Yeah. Great. Thank you. So, listeners, we need you to spread the word. You know, we know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully, and enjoy. This is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so that they can learn and grow and make the world a better place for all as well. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I want to thank you for listening and tuning in. My name is T. Love. I hope you'll be back next week for another great show. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archive list of past shows, the lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting, including my sound healing concerts and labyrinth walks. Also, please be sure to check out our charitable organization for kids, Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where we believe we are making a brighter tomorrow by giving children a better today. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. I got a roof over my head. I got a warm place to sleep. So that's all I When I remember how It's not a hand.